Okay, I want to introduce Pastor Jim Hill. He's a retired pastor. You were at the Bible Baptist in Ishpeming. Bible Baptist in Ishpeming. Okay, he's and so he's going to come now and tell us what the Lord has for us through him. Good seeing you again, some of you. Some of you are new. The Lord gave me a good trip on the way over. I think I saw every kind of weather there was. <laughs> I saw some sun, saw some snow, saw some clouds, saw some blue sky. When you get to Newberry, you see the blue sky. So <laughs> it was good uh, uh, coming on over here uh, today. Some of you perhaps know my daughter. If you ever listen to WHWL on the radio, uh, years ago she was teaching piano down in Lafayette, Indiana for 15 years, and she, she said she was tired. And so she reconnected with a fellow, uh, Andy Larson, who is the manager of WHWL. And they got connected and they got married and now we have two more grandkids. <laughs> and uh, she was wondering if she would ever have any grandkids because she was 39 years old when she got married. And so they had two quick grandkids, which delight our hearts. So we're thankful for that. So if you ever hear the name Beth Larson on the radio, that's my daughter. <clears throat> and yes, I do know Randy Reed uh, from the Calvary Baptist in Nagani, knew Howard and Shirley Reed. They were with the same mission that my wife and I were with. And uh, so the Reeds are very familiar uh, to us. And then, of course, Chuck Reed. I think everybody knew Chuck Reed. He was <laughs> well known throughout the whole Upper Peninsula. And even in his retirement, he was going down to Cuba and places like that where you weren't supposed to go, but he went anyway and, and had a, a wonderful time there. And the Lord used Chuck mightily up here in the UP. Well, today we're going to talk about troubles. You ever had any troubles? I see some of you are older, so obviously you've had some troubles at all in your life. Every single one of us faces troubles at one time or another. Even Job in the Old Testament, you know how much troubles he had. Lost his family, lost everything, and almost lost his life. But the Lord says to Satan, you can touch everything about him, but don't take his life. And in the book of Job, it says, A man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. When our family was younger, we oftentimes used to take uh, trips. We had a pop-up camper that we would pull behind us. We've been several different places, even out west. I love the out west. I love the mountains. And uh, whenever we would camp for a place, there was always a fire ring there, you know, and you'd put your wood in the fire and light it up. And at night, as the sun is going down, you're sitting out there around the campfire. I don't know, there's something mesmerizing about a campfire, isn't there? You see the, clo the, the, the coals in the fire, they keep changing. But one thing is true about a fire that Job noticed. Sparks always fly upward. 
especially when you put a new log on the fire, creates more sparks, and they're always flying upward. Well, we have troubles. A writer years ago, Irma Bombeck, perhaps many of you have heard of her. She's gone now. She one time wrote a book. If life is a bowl of cherries, what am I doing down here in the pits? <laughs> yeah, we all have troubles of one kind or another. The obvious reason why troubles affect Christians as well as non-Christians is the fact that we live on a sin-cursed world. Ever since Adam and Eve, who are real characters, came into this world and their fall through partaking of the forbidden fruit, um, we have had sin in this world. And if you don't believe that there's sin in this world, you haven't been looking at the news recently. Uh, this world is seemingly getting worse and worse and worse. But God sends rain on the just and the unjust. Sometimes he allows calamities to fall on the just and the unjust. You have perhaps undoubtedly heard of the earthquake that was there in, in uh, Syria and uh, uh, what was the other country? Pardon? Turkey. Turkey, yes, Turkey. You know, I thought it was bad when they were talking about two or 3,000 died. It's over 50,000 today who have died. And undoubtedly, among some of them, I mean, it's a heavily Islamic area, but among some of them, there have got to be some Christians, too, who suffered. Yes, we are in a world that knows tribulation and suffering and the one who probably knew it the most was our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he came to this world he knew suffering unjust suffering so much so that he went to the cross and suffered there not for his sins but for ours that's what put him on the cross because he loved us this world is not heaven. Sometimes people think that once you become a Christian, all your troubles are over with. That's not true. Sometimes once you become a Christian, your troubles are just starting. But there is a God who can help us and take us through those struggles if we're willing to trust in him. Jesus Christ was the one who knew what it was like to have troubles and sorrow and suffering. This morning, I'd like to share with you just Five reasons why God may allow suffering to come into your lives and what to do about it. The very first reason is conflict. We live in a world of conflict. You look at Russia and Ukraine. You look at Christians who live almost in all of the northern part of Africa. Many of them are suffering at the hands of ungodly people. Oh, they would say that they're godly, but they're not. They are following a different God, the God of this world. That's my personal feeling, but I think they are following the God of this world and not the God of the Bible. And Christians are suffering there. Uh, when the United States left Afghanistan in, in a big hurry, unfortunately, there were lists of people who had aided uh, our government 
that they left behind and the Taliban have gotten those lists and are searching diligently to find every single person who helped or aided in the, in the, the cause of freedom in that country. Uh, I just read uh, a brief uh, article not too long ago about a man who was living up in the northern part of Afghanistan, a believer, and he was asked, are you going to leave the country too? And he says, I know my name is known to the Taliban, but I'm staying here because God wants me to stay here to be used. And he was willing even to give up his life in order that God might use him yet in that country. There is conflict all over in the world. And I believe that Satan is the, the main instigator. Of course, he has a ton of uh, other little instigators that work alongside of him. But he is the main instigator uh, among all his otherlings. This earth is his domain. I mean, this, this is his area. And he was put in charge of it many years ago. The Bible calls him the God of this world. And he is the God of this world. Notice some of his names. His name is the adversary, as it says, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour. He knows he's in a conflict. I also believe he knows that his time is short, and which is why the conflict seems to be heating up and getting worse and worse. He is called the adversary. In Revelation chapter 9, he's called Apollyon. You all know what Apollyon means, don't you? It means destroyer. And that's his job, is to destroy. He is a destroyer. Um, he is called a liar and a murderer in John. As a matter of fact, he is called the father of lies in that, in that passage. He's a lion. He's a devourer. No wonder this world is in conflict. Christians are being killed many places around the world, not only in northern Africa or, and in most of the, the Islamic countries, but uh, even among the Indians, in, in, um, the Hindus in India have all of a sudden decided to start attacking Christians. And we support, have supported missionaries in that country, in India. And of course, you're probably somewhat familiar <clears throat> with um, Myanmar, used to call Burma. Uh, there's a Baptist children's home that has a work going on there. So far they've been protected, but the, uh, the leaders of that country are out to kill everyone who proclaims to know the name of Christ. Yeah, we live in a, in a world where conflict is very much evidenced and uh, I personally believe that it's going to come to this country as well, too. And I think already has in some small way. Um, I think it may affect those in the healthcare industry, doctors, nurses. If you're not willing to perform abortions, you may lose your job. If you're not willing to make a cake for a homosexual couple, you may be hounded by your own government. And more and more of that is coming, I believe, to this country. We need to stand with biblical convictions in this land. Because so many have not. I remember when many different 
churches. I was <laughs> listening to a lady preacher on the way of coming over here this morning. And uh, yeah. she wasn't talking about the God of the Bible. Uh, it, it almost made, they, they talked about the Genesis and so forth, but it almost made, she kept calling it a story, a story, a story. I believe Genesis is true, just as the rest of the Bible is true. It's coming to this country, persecution. But I'm so happy that the conflict has already, the victory has already been decided. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he said, it is finished. His plan of salvation was done with. The victory has been secured, just that the sentence hasn't been carried out yet. But he, the sentence is awaiting him. So one of the reasons for struggles and turmoils is because we're in a battle, we're in a conflict in this country. There's a second reason why we sometimes face troubles. And that is to strengthen your character, to make you stronger. Struggles can oftentimes do that, make you stronger. There's a difference between character and reputation. Do you know the difference? What's the difference? Character, reputation. Reputation is the, what, what others think of you. Your character is really what you are on the inside. Sometimes they match, sometimes they don't. God is not so much interested in building your reputation. He wants to build your character, which will then bring out a good reputation. He's in the build business of building your character. I'd like to have us, if you have your Bible with you, turn to uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Romans 5, verses 3 and 4. This is what it says. I'm reading from the New King James. <clears throat> I hope that's okay. <laughs> he says in verse 3, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. When's the last time you said, Praise the Lord, I'm going through struggles. But you know, Paul said he could say that because he wasn't looking at the struggle per se. He was looking at the outcome of that struggle. Notice what he says. We glory in tribulations knowing, not wishing or hoping, but knowing. Knowing what? That tribulation produces perseverance. What is perseverance? Um, John MacArthur says, it is one who bears up under a load of pressure. Tribulation can help you bear up under a load of pressure. And perseverance then produces character. In return from properly bearing up under that pressure, it develops your character. It comes from the Greek word dokume, from where we get our word document. From. <clears throat> when you're driving down the road going faster than the speed limit 
You never do that, do you? <laughs> I've been told you can go nine miles an hour over the speed limit, and I shouldn't tell you, but I was doing that this morning. <laughs> <clears throat> if you get pulled over, you know, those red and blue lights flash behind you and they pull you over. And I don't know about you, but my heart starts going a little faster. <laughs> Roll down the window. What's the first thing the officer asks for? Your documentation. In other words, your driver's license. The proof the proof that you are properly and legally driving that vehicle. That's your documentation. It's proof. It's proof. So, when you put it together, tribulation produces perseverance, bearing up under pressure. And perseverance produces documentation, proof of your character, proof of your character. And that, in turn, produces hope. In other words, assurance. So when you put it all together, tribulation, the end result is that it ought to bring you more confidence in God. You ought to become a stronger believer. It develops your Christian character. And that's one of the purposes of trials and testing to build character. There's a third reason why we sometimes have troubles in this life, <clears throat> and that is to bring com comfort and consolation in our lives. Saints down through the years have discovered that through suffering, God is there. I think of this one article that I was telling you about, this believer in Afghanistan. He knew that his life could be snuffed out at any time. He knew the Taliban <clears throat> had his name. But he said, I don't care. I want, I know my God is with me. If he wants to take me home, I'm fine with that. You know, there is no when a Christian dies, is that a bad thing? I don't think so. And the older I get, I realize my time is much shorter than perhaps some of your times. And when I was younger, you know, God always gives you that desire to go on living. And I still have that desire to go on living. But I'm getting to the point that if God wants to take me today, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Because I'm ready. God can bring us comfort and consolation through struggles. And that is the testimony that I have read concerning many of those in Islamic countries, in China, in Myanmar, in India. And if you've ever read the Psalms, you see that David also noted that he would oftentimes start off the psalm, Lord, help me. By the time he gets to the end of that psalm, thank you, Lord, for helping me. Thank you for being with me. 
Suffering allows God to demonstrate his compassion and care. Notice what it said. And this is what Isaiah to the, to the Hebrews of his day, which I think is applicable also to us today. This is what he said. It's a familiar passage. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Excuse me. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. God is there. He can help us. If he wants to take us, that's fine. (laughs) We only go to a better place. And like the old songwriter said, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. If heaven's not my home, Lord, what shall I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Sometimes so many of us feel at home in this world when we ought to say, Lord, I'm ready. You know, I love it here. You've created a beautiful world even though it is pockmarked with sin all over the place. Yet I'm ready when you want to take me. Why? Because I know I'm going to a better place that's not tainted by sin anymore. So, troubles can often bring us consolation. But not only that, sometimes you can help others as well through the struggles that you have gone through. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. 1 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Excuse me, 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. This is what Paul tells the Corinthian believers. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. That's the comfort he gives us. But notice what it says who comforts us in all of our tribulation. Why? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. Notice it doesn't say who are in the same trouble that we're in, but through any trouble. And how can we comfort them? With the same comfort with which we ourselves are comforted of God. You know, when you go through trials or tests and you find someone else who's... who's, who's having some hard times. Did you know that you can go there and be a comfort and strength to them? Who was the one lady this morning who went over and saw uh, a lady who is unresponsive anymore? She may not have even known that you were there. But that can bring comfort and consolation to her, to her husband. And sometimes it isn't the things that we say to them. Sometimes it's just our presence with them. Just our presence with them. You can encourage others through struggles and trials. 
There's a fourth reason why God sometimes allows troubles to come into our life. And that's something we usually don't like to hear about, chastening. Chastening. A spanking. <laughs> but God never chastens a person just for the sake of chastening them. He always does it with the purpose of helping them to learn something through that. The only time I ever remember of getting a spanking when I was a kid growing up, and I still remember it to this day, my friend and I, he was two years older than me, we were out underneath a pine tree, gathering up some pine needles, had a couple of matches, You can see we weren't too bright back then. <laughs> but for some reason or other, the pine needles were a little wet and they wouldn't light. And we used up the two matches. <sighs> Frustrating. My friend, not I, my friend had the bright idea. Let's go ask your dad for some matches. <laughs> we'll tell him that my mother who lived in the house across the street, she needed some matches. <laughs> so we went and told my dad, Mrs. Matthews needs some matches. My dad was pretty smart. He, you could tell that he knew that maybe something was up. But he gave us a few matches we went to the door of the house, and my friend had the bright idea of saying, run! <laughs> you know, if we had been smart, which we weren't, we, and knowing that my dad was watching us, we would have just gone across the street, went, you know, over there, taken the matches, and then gone about our business, and maybe later on in the day, worked our way back to the, the pile of uh, things that we wanted to light on fire. It's not a good idea to light pine, 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 pine cones, pine needles underneath a pine tree. My friend ran. I didn't. My dad said, back in the house took out a knife and said, I gotta make a little trip out to the woods. Came back, a little stick about this long. My first spanking. This was when you were allowed to spank your kids. <laughs> My first spanking. And you know, I learned a lesson from that. Never lie to my dad. And I don't think I ever did since that time. I got chastening. But his chastening had a purpose so that I would never do it again. The word chastening comes from the Greek word paideia. Literally, it means child training. Pice is a Greek word for child. Paideia. 
and it has to do with chaining a, a, training a child, disciplining a child. It doesn't always come as a result of doing something wrong. Sometimes it's a result of just simply training your child in the way he should go. So many times when we see someone being punished for something, what's the first question we have, have often in our mind? What did they do? <laughs> what did they do? You know, the disciples were like that too. There's the, in Luke chapter 13, there's the, the disciples uh, came to Jesus. There was a tower that was being built in a town and it fell over and apparently construction methods weren't any better in that day than they sometimes are today. The tower fell over and killed some of these people. And the disciples asked Jesus, were these men worse sinners than others? You know what Jesus answered? No, no. Because we live in a sin-cursed world, bad things happen to good people as well as bad things happening to bad people. It's sin in the world that causes all this. We live on a sin-cursed world. And another time, uh, Jesus and the disciples came across a man who was born blind. The disciples asked, was it because this man sinned? Think of that for a minute. This man sinned. He was born blind. Did he sin in his mother's womb? Was it because this man sinned? Or perhaps maybe it was his parents who sinned. Again, Jesus says, no. He says, the reason this man was born blind is that the works of God should be revealed in him. And Jesus then spit on the ground, took up the mud that was made from the spit. And this is not a doctor recommended procedure for healing people with. Uh... Jesus, who knows far better than I do, knows that there was a reason why he did that. And he put the, the mud pack on his eyes and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And you know the rest of the story. He came back seeing, seeing, even though he had never seen before. So sometimes God has a lesson he wants us to learn. A lesson he wants us to learn through the discipline that he sometimes sends into our life. You know, God on one occasion basically said, you know what this book is for? Let me give you four reasons why we have this book. He says in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, probably all know that or know of it. 2 Timothy 3.16, what does it say? For all scripture, that's the writings of the Bible, is given by inspiration, literally the breath of God. And therefore, it's profitable. Four reasons why it's profitable. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, 
for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or mature, thoroughly equipped for every good work. First of all, profitable for doctrine. That is, it's profitable to teach you the body of truth that's contained in the word so that you might know what it has to say. That's what doctrine is. Some people don't like doctrine. If you don't, if you don't like doctrine, you don't like God's teaching because this doctrine is the teaching that we get from the word of God. So it's profitable for doctrine. And then he says, reproof. In other words, God's saying, stop. You're getting off the trail. And he reproves you. And he says the next thing is for correction. That is, okay, here's how to get back up on the trail again. Doctrine, what you need to know. Reproof, uh-uh, you're straying. Correction, how to get back up on the road again. And then thirdly, Instruction in righteousness, how to keep you on the road again, how to keep you. What will that result in? That will result in a perfect man. The idea of perfect means mature, fully grown, a fully grown man. Why does God allow chastening or discipline to come into our lives? I believe it's because God loves us. God loves us. He wants us to stay on the right path. There's a fifth reason for troubles. And that is, one day, God wants to reward you for bearing up under the struggles and trials that has come into your life. Did you know that God has rewards for us? What did he say to the Romans? For I reckon. This is in Romans chapter 8, verse 8. Some people think that God must have been a Texan. For I reckon. Reckon what? That the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In other words, once we go through these trials and tests here on this earth, when we're up in glory and we're with the Lord, if he allows us to look back at these trials, we'll say they're nothing comparison to the glory that I'm living in right now, right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 And remember, this is Paul writing this to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Notice what he says. For our light afflictions. Did Paul only experience light afflictions? I mean, he was one time stoned and left for dead. He was whipped. He was thrown in jail. He was bloodied. But he says, in comparison to what awaits us, those things are just light afflictions. For our light afflictions, which is but for a moment. In other words, it's temporary. 
<laughs> I like the story that one pastor said about an elderly lady in his congregation. They were having a testimony time in a service. And several people were giving their testimonies. And the pastor asked this one elderly lady, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? And she said, well, it, it's not really an entire verse. It's just a portion of a verse. And the portion of the verse that has really come a lot, meant a lot to me is, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. Because she knew that the troubles and trials that we go through in this life are just temporary. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, temporary, works for us. These light afflictions, they're working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. In other words, because we're going through these afflictions, we have an eternal weight of glory which is before us which we look not at the things that are seen all around us, but at the things which are not seen, the glories of heaven. We don't see them yet, but we will one day. For the things which are seen are temporary. You know, even this whole world is temporary. You know, some scientists say that we are, we are here as a result of a big bang. No, not quite, because the Big Bang is coming, because he talks about the world being destroyed with a loud noise, and you read Revelation. The Big Bang is coming. It hasn't happened yet. For the things which are not seen are eternal. When Paul was writing his book to Timothy, 2 Timothy, probably the last book he ever wrote, because he's at this point, he's expecting to go. He's expecting the Lord to take him anytime. And this is what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. He says, I have fought a good fight. You know the Christian life is a fight? But it's a good fight. It's a good fight. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, looking ahead, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who love his appearing. Are you waiting for the Lord? You love his appearing. There's a crown of righteousness being laid up for you. In James chapter 1 verse 12 it says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, trials, tests. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. We have a crown of life waiting for us. If you love the Lord, you love the Lord. So there are rewards 
for enduring suffering and persecution. It's like God saying, welcome home, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Jesus Christ is a supreme example of suffering. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, it says, consider him, consider him. Think about him. He suffered unjustly. Why did he do it? Well, that was his whole purpose in coming in the first place. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. That's why he came, to save you and to save me. He was willing to suffer. But when he died on that cross and uttered, it is finished, the payment was paid. So, why suffering? Other than the fact that we are born on a sin-cursed planet. Why do we suffer? Because we're in a conflict. We're in a conflict with Satan. God wants to build your character. And he oftentimes does that through suffering. God wants to console you and to use you to console others through the strength that you received from him when enduring testing. Sometimes he has to do it through chastening and discipline. But he says we're all disciplined in one way or another. Discipline doesn't always have to do with punishment. It sometimes has to do with just simply child training, training them up in the way that they should go. And God uses that on us as well too. And eventually, there are crowns awaiting those who have been faithful in service for the Lord. I'd like to conclude, I think, with 1 Peter chapter 4. Verses 12 and 13. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. And then I'll skip ahead to verse 19 as well, too. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. When we have trials and tests, don't think it's strange. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad, not just with joy, but exceeding joy, exceeding joy. Skipping down to verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God, commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. 
So when we go through trials and tests and suffering and troubles, we just need to simply say, Lord, you know what I'm going through. You have a purpose. You have a reason. Help me to accomplish the purpose that you have for me in the trial that I'm going through, that in the end, I may glorify you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Yeah, we, we, we thank you that sometimes you allow troubles and trials to come into our life, but they're not purposeless. They are purposeful. Lord, you know what we need in our lives, whether it's encouragement, whether it's discipline, You know us far better than we know ourselves. And Father, we would pray that when struggles come, that we would see that you're there. You haven't abandoned us. You haven't forsaken us. Even as David in the Psalms realized, you are there. You are there. And Lord, cause our faith to increase and to abound in you. We ask for Jesus' sake. Amen.